Yo, 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 what's up all you burner stoners and potheads out there? This is Weedman420 with the Weedman420 Chronicles. How are all you vipers doing this evening? Hopefully you're doing well, Mrs. Weedman. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Mrs. Weedman got her yo, 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 hello, hello, hello going. (laughs) Hope everyone's doing well out there. Hope you're all staying safe, healthy, and sound in this craziness of a world we got going on. Hopefully you're all smoking some big fat doinks. And living the dream. We harvested, well, Mr. Weedman harvested Majin Fujita. What a long grow this was. 20 weeks to be exact. It was a very long grow. It wasn't an easy grow. Mrs. Weedman knows. I mean, we've been growing this strain since Forever. April. Forever. Forever. <laughs> it was a very, very long grow. Had some kind of... Little, 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 not mistakes, but little uh, scary moments, I guess. couple male plants in there that I had to get outside. Uh, but I will say this. I will post pictures of this grow. And I got uh, this grow some phenomenal buds. Mrs. Weeman took some pictures yesterday. Mrs. Weeman, want to chime in? Yeah, they're huge. We got some beautiful purple leaves. They were Big, juicy, thick sugar leaves and buds as long as my hand, if not longer. It, it's, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, there's some beautiful, beautiful buds. I'll post them uh, probably this week. They're in the hopper drying right now. So for a nice little 15-day dry. And then about a six-week cure is how I like to do mine and everything I've read and learned. I know some people do it differently. But what I did last night was I took... A small little bud. It wasn't even like a high top bud. It was a, probably a mid bud that was growing tiny. And I decarbed it for like five minutes at like 230 degrees in the toaster oven. And because I was very anxious to want to smoke it. And I wanted to see, you know, so I've, I, I, you decarb if you don't know what that is. You t- and I've explained it before. You take your bud and you put it in the oven when you're going to make edibles and you're getting all the CD- CBD out of it. You're getting just the straight THC. So what I did was is I decarbed it. Like I normally would decarb edib- uh, bud that I was using for edibles, and we smoked it last night. And the taste was okay. To me, it wasn't the greatest tasting because it, w- it wasn't properly cured yet. It wasn't dried yet. It smelled fantastic, though, when we were decarbing it in the uh, oven. Oh, my gosh. The house smelled amazing. The taste, Mrs. Weedman, you said it was? It wasn't overly flavorful. It didn't have all of the citrus flavors and all of the normal flavors that you get. Right. After you exhale, could have dried it a little bit too much too in the in the oven. That could have hurt, but it did. It doesn't have its proper dry time. It doesn't have its proper cure time. So yes, but we smoked it, and we were pretty lit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mr. Weedman had the shivers. I did for the first time in yeah. a long time. I had the shiver me timbers. I did and for I a felt, minute. I felt like I had the giggles. Like brushing my teeth was funny. Everything was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was. We had some so, good laughs last night too. Yeah. Good talking weed. Uh, it, the strain is called Majin Fujita, and and I will now promote um, the grower breeder who I bought this from. His name is Ghost Genetics, um, and I did buy it from him. And like I said, they were regs, so they weren't. They were regular seeds, so there was males and female seeds in that. 10 seeds I bought from him. So some of them were males, some of them were females. I have three left because I did have to um, dispose of some males in the beginning and I kept a couple males and collected the pollen and stuff. So it was, it, 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 the genetics are fly. And 
I do have to admit the buds are huge. Purple. Mrs. We Met took a nice picture of one that's like purple and orange and yellow. And oh man, it's beautiful. Beautiful nugs. And uh, so, but we're going to smoke it tonight for the show. And I know it's not fully done, but because we enjoyed it so much last night, I want to smoke it tonight. So Mrs. Weedman's going to light up the Majin Vegeta. smoke it. I don't have any really true data on this strain yet. I'm going to get it tested uh, like I did the last last one, our, our Weedman 420 uh, Experimental Grow that we got from Big Earl. And this one I'm going to wait till it's fully done, dried, cured, and I'm going to take it over to Orgo Labs to Tim Cash and get it tested just because I want to know the THC content, if there's any CBG in there, if there's any CBD in there. But also I want to know the terpenes. And I want to know the water consistency in it. So there's some things that they do that I can get tested. So I'm super excited when it comes time. I'll have more information for you probably in about like three months uh, by the time it's all done and get it tested. So super stoked. I'm going to smoke and Mrs. Weeman's going to say hi before we get the show rolling. Yeah, I just had one nice hefty hit off of my uh, steamroller pipe, which is my favorite way to smoke. And the reason I like it, steamrollers can be kind of heavy hitters, but... I like it because it's clear glass, and I feel like I get the most control. I know exactly what I think. I've probably mentioned this before. I just like smoking from that. And I like, like a joint. Like to see it. I, I like a joint, but if I can't smoke a joint and I choose to smoke, it's going to be on a steamroller, a clear one. Yep. You because do we like have it. bought a couple others that aren't clear, and I choke. <laughs> 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 so, oh, good stuff though. I uh, am looking for. I only took one hit because I don't want to get whacked out <laughs> so we'll start with one hit and see how things go <laughs> yeah this was we smoked we probably smoked a bowl and a half last night and it did it did oh man we were we were up <laughs> it smokes smooth though yeah it's not yeah. harsh white ash yeah. too mm-hmm. uh for for not being totally dry the ash was pretty white so that means i flushed it really nice and and did what i was supposed to do i flush mine a little differently i don't just throw like you know some people flush it all at once i flush it within a whole week just stuff i've read Everybody does theirs differently. No, it's not the perfect way to do it. Could be it's just the way I've done it for the last two grows where I just flush it for seven days, clear all the nutrients out, get all everything out of the, the soil, but just just straight water. And what it does is usually gives you some white ash and it also gives you a cleaner smoke because you're not getting any any of the, the, the minerals and the nutrients that are growing into the roots, going into the bud. So that's what I do. Like I said, figure it out. That's you can always ask Earl two one seven. He's been my guy. So, but like I said, flushing is a key. This was the first time though I didn't do the forty eight hour without light. Uh, there's big controversies on that. People talking about the the twenty four hours or forty eight hours. Some people put ice cubes in the soil when they when they turn the lights off for forty eight hours. I had just read a grower's article saying that. Why would you shut off the lights for 48 hours when you want your terpenes to be at the most highest? And that's like the high point of when the lighting is going on. So this time I tried something different. I left the lights on and I cut the uh, I, I cut the the plants down while the lights were at its peak. And it was like around I started around two o'clock and then get done to like five. And uh, I left the lights on the whole time. So we'll see what happens. And uh, just to see something different. So I'm learning every day on how to grow and how to get better. Like I said, it's trial and error. And what I like about it, it's my stuff. I'm not screwing anything up for anybody else. I'm just growing it for me. So try different things. So if you got any suggestions, let me know. I also had somebody reach out to us, a new listener, uh, about auto uh, seeds. And I have not used auto seeds yet. I told them that on a DM. I've not used auto seeds yet. I've read a lot about them. 
Uh, I guess he wants us to talk about it on a show. So uh, maybe in a couple episodes from now, I'll pull up some articles on autos, uh, auto seeds versus what everybody else uses. So um, and teach you all about it. Or maybe I'll have somebody come on and talk about it some more, too. So uh, let's get started with the show, Mrs. Wee Man. Okay, let's do it. American Stoner comparing cannabis culture in a legal versus prohibited state. This was a great article. I, I, I'm going to give her a big plug. Alexandra Hicks. Um, she compared California, the legal of California, versus it being illegal in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And we have some friends in Indiana. We have a lot of friends in Indiana. Yeah. And I've smoked a lot of weed in Indiana. <laughs> so, um, but let's let's go into this. So, culture and societal differences. When it comes to personal views on cannabis use, she noticed a huge discrepancy between what the citizens of Indiana feel and what our politicians enforce. Nearly everyone she has met either uses cannabis products or doesn't care if other people use them. Point being that most people would support legalization as if it would improve quality of life and many and bring a lot of money and industry to the state. As a matter of fact, regional surveys have found that 84% of locals support new and and more lenient cannabis regulations. Approximately 39% of Hoosiers favor allowing cannabis to be used for any purpose, while 42% prefer medical use only to be permitted. Regardless, only 16% of Indiana residents support the current law, so suffice it to say, even in Indiana, she's a stoner among stoners. Um, Talking to people in Indiana, finding out why they haven't done done anything about cannabis or cared about cannabis is because it's a it's a uh their state is in a surplus of money tax revenue so they don't probably see it as a need if most states are using it as to make tax revenue instead of really looking at at for us the user as medicine so they're just looking at it in a way i'm gonna just throw my opinion out there they really don't care so um Unfortunately, the laws are not in favor of what most people here support. They actually happen to be among the most restrictive in the entire country. Many attribute to Indiana's reputation of being extremely conservative, more so than any other state. Others believe it's because the state is basically bought and paid for by Eli Lilly Pharmaceuticals, a known enemy of cannabis Mm. reform who has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars lobbying against legalization. You were going to say something? You know who they are? Eli Lilly, yeah. it's a huge pharmaceutical company. Yeah, do you know? Do, I don't know anything they make though. Do you know anything? Oh, they I don't make? know specifics, no. but yeah, they're out there. So people believe that's. The I reason didn't why. realize that. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are some obvious repercussions to prohibition, the main one being that cannabis possession is criminalized, so anytime you have to run the risk of getting arrested, and the penalties are pretty steep here. At first offense, possession up to 30 grams is a Class B misdemeanor, punishable by a fine of up to $1,000 and 180 days in jail. Oof. Ugh. It's like an ounce. Wait, what? How long do you have to go to jail? 180 days. Um, wow. Yeah. We have to be careful when we go to the beach. Yeah, we do. If We might have to go to Michigan from now on. Mm. Yeah, but then you got to travel through Indiana. Yeah, but there's Damn. ways to get around. If you have priors, you're looking at a Class A misdemeanor and even a felony charges. That aside, there are more subtle differences of living in one of these, uh, living life in one of these states. Things you don't necessarily think about until you experience them. For example, she noticed that when I when she recently took uh, my elderly aunt to the doctor for a pain management appointment in California, I could be very candid with the doctor about cannabis use, and we could have a real discussion. Like adults about the benefits of cannabinoid therapy for different conditions, if it could be possibly in, interact with the prescription medications, and if there's any risk. In Indiana, we had to stay quiet on the subject. Shh, be quiet. Another area of concern is worrying about what my kids might say that could get me in trouble. A lot of people in the industry remember the story of Shona Banda, the mother from Kansas who got arrested and lost custody of her child after 
he mentioned at school that she was using cannabis medicinally to treat her Crohn's disease. The school contacted authorities who went to her house and turned her world completely upside down. This is definitely something that has crossed her mind. Being in the cannabis industry, I'm pretty outspoken with my opinions on the subject and the fear of my kids accidentally repeating something about it at school and causing an uproar. Well, it's making me seriously consider homeschool. Mm, interesting. Uh, she compares California's products versus the illegal illicit market in Indiana. So product quality and availability is a huge downside to living in prohibition state. Of course, people can still get weed, and usually you can find decent weed in every state. But being a cannabis consumer, con uh, consumer can be much more challenging in a state like Indiana, going from having the ability to walk into a licensed dispensary and choose from any number of flower strains, concentrates, edibles, and even specialty products. Uh, to being stuck scrambling for buds is a bit of a culture shock. Back home, if a store I went to was out of the product, I just simply went to another store. Out here, if my dealer is out of bud, you're shit out of luck. But ease of access is not my only gripe. I've, she's definitely noticed a difference in taste and freshness in some strains that I've purchased. One in particular that I bought had a perfume smelly to it. I have legit never smelled pot like this before except one time in my life, and it was in Texas. <laughs> Other very strict prohibition state. There are numerous different reasons why it could have some, have this aroma, from uh, natural terpene combinations to pesticides, synthetics, and other contaminants. When you buy from the illicit market, you don't know what you're getting. Uh, one thing I find pretty interesting about the market here is that there seems to be much more demand for alternative THCs and synthetics like Delta-8, Delta-10, and THCO, which I just learned about. And it's in this article, so I'm going to talk about THCO next. While most people in California don't seem to care much, much about those products or have any interest in trying them, they can be found at head shops and smoke shops all over the state. Here you'll find entire racks full of three chai vape cards containing all these different barely legal or not yet on the radar cannabinoid compounds. Then there's price point. For her, this was a big one. I have a few people that I, can't, I, I can get good quality flour from. Uh, except for the uh, perfumey bad guy that was the one-off purchase she had. <laughs> but I paid quite a bit for here in Indiana than I did in California. I used to pay $120 per ounce for high mids, low top. Most people can expect to pay the average of $240 an ounce for the same quality. I've been lucky uh, and found someone who I can buy from for $175 in, in, in OZ, and I'm sure many other people are finding good deals as well. But across the board, it's usually $200 bucks and, and more for an ounce of decent flour. For really high-quality stuff, it's around $300. Hmm. As far as pricing goes, the way it changes by weight is different too. What I'm used to see is when I buy more, you get a prorated price. So she's saying in California, when you buy more, if you buy an ounce, you'll get a lower price. When you buy more... In an illegal state, you pay more. So that sucks. <laughs> so here's her final thoughts on being a stoner in America. You can see the contrast is striking. On one side, you have the flourishing consumer market with every product option and price point your heart desires, with no legal ramifications. On the other side, you're limited on products, sneaking around and worrying about getting arrested while overpaying for average bud. It's not ideal, especially being a true stoner coming from a completely unrestricted state, but it's certainly educational. I know the comparison is focused on California versus Indiana, but it's safe to assume the difference apply to any legal versus illegal state. And the silver lining here is there is no matter where you are in the United States, and regardless of what the laws are there, you can guarantee that it'll still be relatively easy to find decent flour, even if you have to pay more and work a little harder for it. Pretty good article. 
I really liked it. And I thought it was well written. I liked the comparison, though. She could have done like a medical state versus California, but she's in Indiana and has to really like find decent weed, it sounds like. You know, I like it. I thought it was good. So for all you stoners being in America, if you're in an illegal state or a med state and you can't get a card, this is probably a lot of your problems. So, But now I learned about THCO. Yeah, tell us about it. So there's two articles here. One by Anthony uh, Francozzi, and this is Honest uh, Cannabis comp- Marijuana Company, it says on here. So THCO acetate, what is it and what you need to know about it? So wait a minute. So far we know of THC, THCA, and THCV? Yes. Then and so THC. this is THC. Then there's regular THC. This is THCO oh. acetate. Uh-huh. Yes. So. What does O have to do with acetate? We're going to read Okay. If you're like most of the fine folks in the cannabis community, you probably never heard of THCO. I had it until last week. But don't feel bad. You're not somehow an inferior pothead, and you won't have your cannabis card uh, revoked. <laughs> THCO doesn't get a lot of press, and it doesn't lend itself to DIY like THC oil and CBD oil. Plus, to really understand this unique substance, you have to live into some pretty hairy chemistry. Hmm. For the reason alone, THO is not a starter for most people. And that's a shame because with the legalization of cannabis sweeping the planet, THCO is emerging from the shadowy fringes of the viable and powerful option for both recreational and medical use. In this article, the experts of Honest Marijuana... <laughs> I know, I'm stoned. Uh, honest? Honest. Honest. Honest, sorry. <laughs> You're like I can hear you slowing down oh, no, I know. and getting quieter. Whew. I tell you yeah. what, folks. How many hits this did was, you take? I took re- a really, really big one. Yeah, like exceptionally Huge. big. I'm telling you, this was just harvested yesterday and decarbed, and I'm ripped. It's gonna be like <sighs> wait till dan- it's done. The, the danger. Oof. Zone. Oh, That's man. That's what we'll call it, danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have a name? Majin Fujita. Majin Fujita. Uh, THO is emerging from the shadows, like I talked about. It's uh, THO uh, to help you understand the cutting edge of cannabis science and how it applies to this uh, to your particular condition. Fair warning, we will be dealing with a lot of chemistry concepts in this article, so we, uh, they'll, they're going to do their best to explain it to us. Burner, stoners, and potheads. THCO is shortened name the slang term for THCO acetate, also referred to as THC acetate, and a THC. That's a lot of names for one substance, and yes, it can be confusing. But the nice thing about cannabis culture is that it leans more toward brevity and accuracy. Thank goodness we'd always have to say and write tetrahydrocannabinol. Thank God they came up with THC. So you'll probably come across THCO or ATHC more often. And while... Uh, they're on the subject of names. It's important that you don't confuse ATHC with THCA or THCA in the lowercase a. You most of the time see it in THCA capitalized. That's tetrahydrocannabinolic acid. That is the compound before you get THC. Don't forget you have to uh, burn THCA for it to turn into THC, the psychoactive of cannabis. It just it doesn't happen without a little fire. As you can see from the full name, the A in THCA stands for acid. Uh, 
THCA occurs naturally in raw cannabis and converts to THC through decarboxylation, which I said. In ATHC, the A stands for acetate. That's the first major difference. The second major difference is that ATHC can only be produced in laboratory environment. You can't pick up a few tools at your local hardware and whip a batch of ATHC in your kitchen. The results will will be disastrous. That means flaming death boys and girls. (laughs) So when it comes to ATHC versus THCA, be sure to make note that there is an A in the name. And even whether it's in upper or lower case, because the two chemicals are completely different animals. Cannabinoid. First and foremost, THCO is a cannabinoid just like THC, CBD, CBG, and CBN. At their most basic, cannabinoids are chemical compounds that act act on the cannabinoid receptors in your brain. In other words, they're stuff that gets you high, relieves your pain, and takes the edge off your anxiety. The thing about THCO is that it's not a naturally occurring cannabinoid like THC and CBD. It takes some pretty hefty and volatile chemistry to create THCO in a lab. That processing strips away all the other beneficial compounds, terpenes and flavonoids, and leaves behind a potent THC isolate with no flavor or no aroma. Weird. It can be scary yeah. in some ways. It's it, If you're getting stuff off the illegal market and you think it's regular THC and this is, could be cheaper to make... But how could it be cheaper? They're stripping away all the well, other aspects of the, we'll keep on going. of the bud. In its natural state, or unnatural state to be more precise, THCO is just a heavy brown liquid more akin to motor oil than anything else. And when it is all said and done, THCO is what's known as chemistry circles as an analog. An analog is a compound having a structure similar to the other compound, but differing from in it respect to a certain component. In this case, the original compound is THC that makes THCO a THC analog. Science, science, science. Hmm. Let's investigate what that means in a bit more detail with pictures. So there's a um, there's a, the THC molecule on here. So you can look that up, what a THC molecule is. So what's the difference between THC and THCO? The best way to understand the difference between THC and THCO is with pictures. They really are worth a thousand words. Uh, words. So they show a picture of the THC molecule. You can look that up online. And yeah, we know it's just a bunch of letters and numbers, but don't worry too much about the H's and the C's and the 3S. Focus instead of the lines and shapes. Trust us, it will make more sense when compared to the picture of THCO. Oh, yeah, that's a big difference in lines. Holy shit. That's crazy. The biggest difference between the two pictures, aside from the lack of HCs and 3s, is the upper right corner. In the top picture, the THC molecule, there's an OH. In the bottom picture, THCO. There's an O and a new set of lines. The new set of lines is acetate molecule, the A and the ATHC. It's the addition of the new molecules that sets ATC, ATHC apart from regular THC, and it makes it special. So what exactly does the new molecule do? They're going to answer next. Why is it THC oh so special? The addition of the acetate molecule to the basic THC molecule does one very important thing. It makes the THC molecule stronger. We know you're dying to hear the THCO's potency, but hold your horses. Let's talk about water solubility first because there, there's a bit of confusion in that regard. THCO is not water-soluble. 
like I read up topic, it's like a motor oil. Cannabinoids like THC and CBD are lipids, fatty oils in the natural state. So as a consumable product, they are fat-soluble, meaning they dissolve in oil. That's THC and CBD, okay? Mm. In your body, the dissolution of fats and oils undergoes a slightly different process than water-soluble substances like vitamins and fiber. In simplest terms, there's an extra filtering step before the nutrients pass into your bloodstream. The difference in those processes means that when it comes to cannabis consumption, less THC makes it, it into your bloodstream because the extra filtering and ultimately to your brain where all the magic happens. Whoa. Magic. But water-soluble materials bypass the extra filtering step and pass directly into your bloodstream. That means more of the nutrient is available for use by your body. Mm, hence why it's possibly stronger. THCO phosphate, a cousin of THCO, is water-soluble, but because of its chemistry, doesn't dissolve very fast. This results in a slower onset of effects and decreased potency than the regular THC molecule. Why would anyone want that? Does that mean that THCO is water-soluble too? Unfortunately, no. THCO is not water-soluble. Your body subjects the molecule to the same filtering process as it does fat-soluble molecules. Because of those filters, you get a lower percentage of molecules into your bloodstream when you consume a THCO product. But there's good news. To the whole water-soluble, not water-soluble confusion, THCO molecules are much more potent than regular smoked dabbed, or ingested THC. Hmm. That means that even though there are less THCO molecules available to travel to your brain because of the filtering process, the relatively few that get through will knock your fucking socks off. And I added the the F-bomb. Wow. How much more potent is THCO? Here are some numbers. THCO is strong. Hold on to your butts. Lab tests show that THCO can be 300% stronger than regular THC. Yes, you, I just read that to you all. 300% stronger. I'm going to take a sip. That's pretty crazy. So little goes a really long way. It's stronger than RSO, which is like absolute strongest, most mm-hmm. concentrated you can get. All of that because of the tiny acetate molecule it takes... It makes you appreciate just how powerful chemistry can be. Science, science. If you're thinking connoisseur, you may be wondering why anyone would would need something that strong. And you might be right. So let's do away with the notion of using THCO for recreational purposes. Regular THC does just fine at getting us all what we like. Baked. Ripped. High. Having fun. Whatever. And focus instead on medicinal uses. That's where THCO really shines. It goes without saying that everyone is different. The biology of one person's body is different from the biology of another person's body. So in some people, THC doesn't have the desired medical benefits, pain relief, anti-anxiety, etc. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, THCO, though, is, for all intents and purposes, a different version of cannabis on here they call it a drug i will not because of that it can stimulate the cannabinoid receptors in your brain in a way that regular thc can't so 
where a THC pill or THC oil might not provide the pain relief you're looking for, a THCO product might be viable alternative. That's why more people uh, more people are taking talking about THCO these days. That's crazy. This is the first time I've heard about it was last week. So because of the potential medical benefits. So if you're considering trying THCO for the first time, like we say with everything, start small. Very small would be the best. And increase your dosage slowly. It's difficult to overdose on cannabinoids, but too much can take you way too high and give you a bad trip. That's true. Um, what are the effects of THCO? The medicinal effects of THC are pretty well known. THCO doesn't differ in that regard, where it does diverge in its recreational effects. It's high. Many describe the effects of THCO as a very spiritual and intro perspective. Now I really want to try it. <laughs> Some even like a trip LSD and shrooms, something regular THC products can't claim. Uh, there is a euphor euphoric effect to it. Um, one thing of note is that, like edibles, you'll have to wait 20 to 30 minutes before you feel the effects of THCO. This is because your body has to separate, digest the acetate molecule from the THC molecule before it's sent to your brain. Hmm. Uh, should you try it for yourself? Absolutely. Especially if you're looking for a specific medical, medical benefit. THCO may be just the thing for you. Having said that, it's essential to note that you should always buy your THCO from a reputable dealer. A dispensary. Uh, talk to the professionals at your local dispensary. They can help you ju just find the right product. That's if they sell it. And please, yeah. please, please don't try to make THCO, THCO on your own. The process requires special equipment and advanced training to get it right. Volatile, flammable, and explosive chemicals are necessary. Did you hear that? We're going to have, like, uh, <laughs> another rage of, like, people making meth. They're going to be making THO. THCO? Uh, well, I hope not. Uh, it's I not worth not. your life or your home no or way. your eyebrows or your leg hairs do do something that a lab can do better and safer. If you want to use THCO, always buy Never Die. <laughs> that actually was pretty good. Always buy Never Die. Yeah. It's very, so, very, ooh. Yes. So, and it was another article, but I took some of that information from it to let you guys all know. I, I, I mean, just like we say, buy it from reputable people and... Yes. Know so, what you're putting in your body. Yes. Um, nuns. Yeah, I know nuns. You know nuns? We both went to Catholic school. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I sure did. I got spanked by a nun when my first grade year oh, by the principal, and she was a nun. You were one of those. Sister Mary kids. Claire whapped me in the butt, made me cry. Well, I, I saw Eddie Whalen <laughs> through the... the the first grade was in mobiles. <laughs> getting and spanked. And Eddie was in the middle mobile. And we're all like with our eyeballs up to the window watching Eddie get his butt spanked <laughs> by Sister Regina, I think. Who was our principal? Oh my gosh. Oh, I got spanked yeah. in first grade. That poor nun's hand had a hurt, but she hit me like so hard. Like 10 times. Were you just hard? So, were you so annoying? I was in first grade. What could you possibly do that was so bad? I think I got into a fight in the, in, in the schoolyard. Come on. I did. I think that was the reason why. You little punk. I, I, no, well, he, you were a nice little boy. No, he punched me and called me fat. Oh, well, then you should have punched That's him. That's what I did, but the Good. nuns didn't care <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> who did it or what they said. They, they, they always just talk. dragged you in by your ear. Oh, man. I got whooped. And whooped you with a Ooh. ruler? No, her straight ass, hard ass Ouch. hand. 
And I have a flat butt anyway that has no meat on it, and she whacked the shit out of it. Well, Sister Cornelius put my sister in a locker because my sister was just too obnoxious all the time. <laughs> and this was in, like, fourth grade. She just asked too many questions. So Sister Cornelius literally put her in the oh. locker. I am so glad I only went to Catholic school to eighth grade, then I went to uh, public school, thank goodness. Oh, man. At my high I school. Have made it. I wouldn't have made it. We had, like, full-on nuns in uh, habits. Talk That's about intimidating. Yeah. Woo. Our nuns in grade school were in like normal clothes. Then we, then we got the habits. Well, you went to the bad girls school. I went to anyway. the bad girls. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the nuns. Oh, sorry. The nuns who grow weed. So hear this. This is super cool. These are nuns who grow weed. They are called the Sisters of the Valley, and they strictly abide by lunar cycles for their work. As they believe, this increases the healing powers of the plant. They're kind of like hippie, gypsy nuns. Yeah, they don't take right? the vows, right? Well, right. They don't belong to any religious order. The Sisters of the Valley's devotion is unquestionable, though. Uh, they're also known as weed nuns. These women are dedicated to growing cannabis and selling medicinal products derived from it. Based in Merced, California, the organization has been working since 2015 and composed by women of all ages with a very clear goal to share the medicinal benefits of cannabis and achieve its legisl- I'm sorry, its legalization. In addition, their plan is to fight a medical system that has historically oppressed holistic medicine. All of their products are CBD-based. CBD, unlike THC, is non-psychoactive, so it has no effect on the mind. But it is a powerful pain reliever and myorelaxant. In recent years, crucial research has been conducted regarding the use of CBD to treat many conditions such as epilepsy, cancer, arthritis, stress, and depression, among others. The Sisters of the Valley strictly abide by lunar cycles for their work as they believe this increases the healing powers of the plant. According to them, the two weeks following the new moon are ideal for medicinal development. Damn. In fact, they even sell cheaper products that have not been able to create, been created within this corresponding cycle. Their products include oils, soaps, balms, topicals, tinctures, and more. Pretty interesting, right? I like the picture on, on the article of them yeah. smoking it. It was pretty right? cool. Activi- activism is one of their vows. Not being nuns in the strict sense, they do not take Catholic vows, but they do have some of their own. Not to a religion or a god, but to a particular lifestyle. They are committed to providing services to suffering people, to living simply, and to respecting nature and moon cycles. They also include a vow of chastity, but clarify that this does not necessarily imply celibacy. Hmm. Interesting. One of their most important pledges is the activism vow. The sisters commit to spending several hours a week fighting for progressive causes in their communities. These causes are not limited to those related to cannabis. The sisters also lend their voice to feminist and social equality struggles, among others. This is not at all surprising considering the organization's founder, Sister Kate, has been an activist for a decade. In 2011, the United States Department of Agriculture responded to Michelle Obama's concerns about children's health by declaring that pizza sauce could be considered a vegetable. Then Christine Mewson declared that if pizza is a vegetable, then I'm a nun. 
and began to dress as such when assisting protests. She was part of the Occupy movement in 2011 and earned the nickname Sister Occupy. (laughs) Having left her job in the corporate world, she is now known as Sister Kate, and she continues to use the habit to emphasize her spiritual commitment to her activity. She has also stated that we need a new kind of nun, as the archaic model no longer works. Well, that's a big statement. Yeah. Sister Kate and her partner, Sister Darcy, aim to create spiritual and honorable jobs for women. The only requirements are a strong social and ecological commitment and the desire to live and work as a community. After working there two years, women can become uh, a sister by taking the vows. Um, Of the current members, only one has a background in the Catholic Church. Their way of life has often been compared to that of Beguines. In fact, they were a great source of inspiration for the weed nuns. The Beguines were groups of Christian women that emerged in the 12th century. They engaged in charitable activities, worked independently, and owned land. They also produced literary material, took no vows, and were allowed to leave the association whenever they chose to. To the surprise of absolutely no one, their medicinal practices and their rejection of the Catholic Church caused many to be persecuted and even burned at the stake. The Sisters of the Valley cannot escape this comparison. They know that their rituals, their mission, and way of life would have condemned them to fire a couple of hundred years ago. This is why they place so much emphasis on social struggles and applaud the growing culture and gender diversity in the cannabis arena. I think that's really pretty cool. I think it's awesome. I like that they... So they don't take vows, right? Well, they take vows to... to. But they don't take the Catholic vows, right? They are, have so, no so religious in those vows, In those vows, there's like a, a line in there that says, if children are bad, you have to spank the shit out yes. of them. Yes. <laughs> so they don't take... I like them then. They don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Aww. I'm just kidding. Nuns like, are nice. They are nice. They are very nice. They had to put up with all of us. I know. True. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a good that was a good article though. It was. And I like it's about neat. yeah. Uh, we talked about this in the last episode, but read more about it. Wisconsin lawmakers are going to reveal some cannabis legalization bill soon, which is crazy. I think the governor is kind of for it, so we'll see what's going to happen, and that's going to put a little damper in. Uh, in uh, I-, I wonder if they're going to go straight to recreational though. Are they going to go med mm. then rec? Because if they do that, that's not the people are still going to go across the border to get to get rec. If they can't get a med card, so because they should the just cost. they should just do it. Well, they might start with only fifteen ailments, and right, not right, everybody right. has an ailment for that medical right. card. Like when Illinois started, right, hundred percent. So I know there's more about the article they were talking about in there. They were going to do so uh, diversity, and they, but uh, as more as the the law is written, I'll read more about it once I know more. I mean, there's a whole article, couple articles on it and stuff like that, but it's still just all in talks, and they, they, who knows? But I, I think if they don't go straight to rec, if they do med and rec together. People are still going to come over the border, though. <laughs> so, yeah, because it's recreational, whether how expensive it is or not. I've I've been to that Beloit store. It's mm-hmm. fucking packed, mm-hmm. packed. So, damn man, a Topo Chico is making me burp. Yeah, it's burpy. Oof. Um, here I talked about Oklahoma before, and I was in that state. Got a lot of weed. Met a lot of cool, dope ass dispensary owners, and just like the state of their cannabis and stuff. So, um, but. They're preparing a 2022 ballot and measures to legalize cannabis and overhaul the state's medical cannabis system. So some of this article was just talking about um, fixing the taxes. One of them was if they do recreational, it'd be like a 7% tax. 
and then uh, medical goes down to, down to zero tax, which is pretty dope. Or they would do 15% on non-medical, and then the 7% that's already on medical would go to zero. So that's pretty cool. So um, hopefully they do it, but they, they need not to change anything. <laughs> like, like just how, like, don't fuck it up. Because here's another article about Oklahoma. The green rush fueled by Colorado uh, cannabis entrepreneurs are coming flooding Oklahoma right now hmm. with money, with growers, with bringing their... Population. Yeah, population. Right? Uh, in Oklahoma, uh, you can you can have a bigger grow up than in, in, than in a lot of other states, which is huge. Um, you can also pay next to nothing for licensing fees in Oklahoma. It's a lot cheaper. And um, here one guy said, leaving Colorado for greener, greener pastures. After getting his start in California, this guy Baker spent a decade honing his cannabis ch- uh, ch- uh, chops in Colorado medical and later recreational scene. In Denver, he formed his Cultivate Colorado brand that supplies grows with the soil, lights, shovels, and anything else they might need to raise plants to, into mature products. But soon after he went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and that's what he says it here. But soon after, Oklahomans in June 2018 voted to legalize medical cannabis. Baker noticed transportation costs for his hydroponic supplies were five times higher than normal. All of it, Baker realized, was going down to Oklahoma. I didn't even know they legalized medical, he said. It only took three months for Baker and his wife to sell their Denver home and buy 110 acres outside Oklahoma City and move the operations east. We followed the green rush, he said. Always have. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to operating his own farm, Baker also manages a 90-acre grow in uh, Okam, uh, Oki, Okima, whose owners converted an old hay farm into the Baker claims as one of the largest uh, cannabis plots in the nation. The tribe collective owners are Oklahomans from a very variety of backgrounds, oil, gas, tech, and even Hollywood. They ditched the old industry and went all in on growing bud. Uh, the sprawling farm sits on 900-acre property. Damn, that's big. Uh, replete with multiple greenhouses and state-of-the-art extraction lab, walk-in freezer, and that's before you get into the outdoor grows. Uh, driving down the dusty dirt road, it looks like it could be any rural swath of American heartland. But then you see the plants, more than 40,000 of them swaying gently in neat and rows of fields with names like Skinny Mary, Skinny Marie and Lucky Day. On a recent uh, oppressively hot Oklahoma summer day, workers drenched in sweat installed rope lines to keep the plants from uh, plants upright. That means they've grown big. Nearby Baker and his team strategized about the best way to keep uh, uh, irrigating caterpillars uh, or irritating caterpillars off cannabis leaves, discussing plans to expand even further to seemingly endless property. People used to say Oklahoma life, a cuss word, when we moved here, Baker said we laughed. But this will prove to be the biggest cannabis state in the country. Um, so I've been there. I can see it happening. Um it's cheap though too. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. It's just, and it's good. A business license costs twenty five hundred bucks, hmm. a fraction of the price in other states. Illinois to get to for just a dispensary license was twenty five thousand to apply, and then you had to buy the license if you got a license at sixty. And I think cultivators was, uh, it was uh, the application fee was was a hundred thousand, and then it was two hundred fifty thousand to get the license. Non refundable on that too, by the way. Wow. That's Illinois. Big difference, right? Huge. Huge. So there's so much more. This this was a great read. Um, nearly 376,000 Oklahomans, roughly 10% of the state's population, have a medical me- medical cannabis card. 
a far more higher share in the country, according to uh, Marijuana Policy Project. That's crazy. <laughs> they do like their weed there, I, t- I do have to admit. So don't fuck it up, Oklahoma. Keep going progressive on it, man. Uh, this was crazy to me. So New Jersey, Jersey, the place I was born. Half of, uh, almost 75% of the towns are poised to ban cannabis businesses. That's just stupid. Why? I don't, it just, they just don't want it in their, in their, in their neighborhoods. Too close to schools, kids, just, but I mean, there's got to be little business areas in all that place where you could put it. I don't know. I think you guys are making a big mistake, but whatever. Uh, here's, here's my thought on that though. All right. If though, and I, I believe this to be all of Illinois, I think Illinois too, or any, any state that does California, you realize only like 25, 30% of the state has dispensaries in it. And it's a fucking big state. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's tax revenue involved. So I, this is just my opinion. Any state that allows rec or med or both, those municipalities or townships that don't want to participate in letting a, a, a dispensary in their neighborhood should not get any of the tax revenue that comes in from that. They're not participating in... in they, shouldn't co- they shouldn't get the tax, the state tax revenue. The state cannabis revenue. tax revenue. Right. Should, should not go to any municipality or city or that township doesn't that doesn't participate in it. They should not get any tax revenue from that, from cannabis. Yeah. Might open up more opportunity if it was that way. Just my opinion. It, it would force their hand. Because why, where we live, and the town next to us is bringing in a million dollars right. a year in tax revenue. Right. That township, the the state is getting it, and the state's dispersing money into communities mm-hmm. with the hundred million dollars to say Illinois. Why should where the township we live in get any of that tax revenue if they're not participating in bringing tax revenue to any of it? Just my opinion. Yeah, don't I'm with don't you. don't kill the messenger. Uh, some states that could have some uh, cannabis and psychedelic legalization on the ballot for 2022: Arkansas. Uh, they already are medical, but they're uh, collecting signatures to place adult use cannabis legalization on the 2022 ballot. California wants to legalize mushrooms, psilocybin, on the 22. So progressive, California. I know. Um, People like the microdosing. There's, there's, well, they're they're, they're mushrooms. Oh, helps depression. Yeah, mm-hmm. find a lot of stuff. Uh, Idaho, <laughs> they're trying to uh, collect signatures to get that on the ballot, but they already. I've read articles about Idaho. They don't want nothing to do with it, but we'll see because they do have hemp. So we'll see. Uh, Maryland, uh, I know it's. Uh, House Speaker recently pledged that lawmakers will pass legislation to put the question of cannabis legalization before voters as a referendum on the 2022 ballot. That's cool. Mississippi. Uh, no initiatives have been filed for 2022 so far, but advocates say it's possible. So in Missouri, uh, separate initiatives to for cannabis reform for 2022 ballot. Nebraska. Phew, yeah, we'll see. They're gearing up for a mass scale campaign to try to get on the 2022 ballot. North Dakota, rege- North Dakota rejected by the Senate in March. Uh, on a law they passed in the state, but advances the issue by referring to voters in the 2022. So we'll see about that. 
Ohio wants to plan to legalize cannabis in 2022. Oklahoma are pushing. We read about some of their ballots and their initiatives. South Dakota field four separate legalization. They voted last November by the voters to have both. And oh, oh man, South Dakota, you just fucked it all. You fucked it all up. Uh, Wyoming, too, to legalize medical cannabis and to criminalize adult use cannabis. So that's some stuff that's coming down the pipe in 2022. Uh, and then we've read about Illinois breaking records on on money. Maine did. They had a. They saw a forty five percent increase in that little state of Maine. Nine hundred forty three thousand in cannabis sales. Uh, tax revenue for July. That's huge. Nine point four million in July at forty five percent increase. That's pretty good for a little old Maine. Michigan. Uh, read at two hundred seventy one million in, in cannabis sales. Uh, that's big. So Missouri. Uh, for the first time, Missouri medical cannabis sales exceeded twenty million in July. Some record breaking months. That's good stuff. Um, Bernie Sanders feel the burn threw a little shout out to Biden saying he can act on cannabis but he hasn't threw a little fucking jab at him Mm -hmm. Uh, the MAPS organization granted 12.9 million to study cannabis and PTSD that's pretty good that's a lot of money how much? 12.9 million sweet yeah Uh, less emphasis on cannabis arrest at Sturgis rally Um, I know they said like last year there was like Almost 100 people thrown in jail for cannabis this year. There was 14. <laughs> Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- former DEA special agent sentenced to 13 years for multiple crimes. This DEA agent, uh, he, like, man, robbed some people. Uh, like, his name was Adam- Chad Allen Scott, and he was found guilty of committing perjury and directing others to commit perjury to obtain a conviction against an alleged drug dealer. Scott also falsified forms so he could take possession of truck bought for him by a, a drug dealer. Uh, he stole money, just a lot of stuff. So one of those suit schemers and scandalists right there, Chad Allen Scott. Good job. Uh, ex-mayor indicated of corruption charges tied to California cannabis licensing. Another suit, suit schemer and scandalist right there. Uh, Washington governor unveils new process c- to commute hundreds of uh, drug possession sentences. I think it was something like 1,200, which is pretty good. So good for him. Yep, 1,200 people with drug possessions. Good job, governor. Uh, half of Americans have tried cannabis. That's from a new Gallup poll. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Go cannabis. Go cannabis. <sighs> Go cannabis. Woo! Here's the things that my friend, Earl217, has told me about, talked to me about uh, when it came to buying products. He warned me about, but Scott's Milk will grow. Arm invests $3.2 million in a, in a cannabis ag tech venture. They're also buying... Uh, the Hawthorne Collective has made another deal uh, to invest this $3.2 million in a Washington State-based Dewey Scientific, a fledgling age tech endeavor that's seeking to boost the genetic diversity of cannabis crops in the Pacific Northwest. So they're going to—we all know who Scott's Miracle Grow is. You, if you didn't think they were going to get in the game and spend big money, that you guys are all going to be getting GMO one day. Oh, my God, just don't get me started on Scott's Miracle Grow again. But we all saw it coming, so— we love the beach. We do. We love the beach a lot. We do. I love sand between my toes. Yep. But unfortunately, some of our beach in the area is not in Illinois. It's I in know. Indiana. I know. And like we were just talking about, Indiana is illegal. No friendly Indiana. No. So I've got a little short little article about uh, Beach Bud. The best beaches to enjoy cannabis legally in the U.S., 
we all know there's nothing quite like a trip to the beach, right? The sheer relaxation that comes from taking in the majesty of nature, the cool breeze, the sound of the ocean or lake, that alone is therapeutic. And paired with a buzz, the experience can feel like a lucid dream. I agree with that. Smoking out in nature, like, you're, I think nature is just a reset for your brain anyway. And it, you know, you spend a half hour out in nature and whatever's stressing you seems to just kind of wear off. And then you get a little high. Oh, my goodness. It's yeah, great. It's so nice. <laughs> it's great. Like so nice. kayaking down a stream. Well, here's... Floating. I mean, if, if... Sitting on the beach. It's just so nice. It's so nice, right? So nice. But, like I said, not all beaches, whether you have a lake or a coast near you, uh, not all states and beaches and waterfront ways are connected to land that is legal. Just bring edibles. <laughs> so, yeah, just bring edibles. Sneak. <laughs> just sneak. Um... Uh, so you can't just light up a joint, right? Uh, well, in every coastal state where cannabis is legal, laws are currently set in place to prevent residents from smoking on beaches and polluting the air quality of the oceanfront. So what do you use? Edibles, right? Edibles. They'll get it done. You can also consume your cannabis, right? So, um, we bought those drinks. Yeah, we had, we bought those infused seltzers. Infused drinks, yep. Those are pretty good. Yeah, so sometimes you have to be a little creative if you want to get high at the beach. And don't worry, because in this article, they've done a little grunt work and figured out where you can go. So here's how to have a dope and law-abiding beach vacation in coastal states where recreational cannabis is legal. California. It's not as simple to get high on the beach in this canna-friendly state as you think. Consuming cannabis of any form in public is still illegal in California. So finding safe ways to get high in nature is no picnic. This law includes public spaces like state parks where you're outdoors, but you can easily find yourself completely alone. However, there are two beaches in the state where it's easy to get high before heading to the beach. Long Beach and Newport Beach. Located just south of L.A., these California beaches offer something you won't find in many other beach towns. They have cannabis lounges. Pretty cool. Much like bars, these lounges offer a safe, legal place to consume and purchase cannabis with friends. Cannabis lounges haven't come to Oregon or Washington yet, and there are still very few in California. So you'll be experiencing a new frontier in the West Coast cannabis industry. The ones in Long Beach and Newport Beach are just a short distance from the ocean, so it's easy to catch an Uber or walk to the coast when you're ready for sun and sand. You might also consider a bud-friendly private rental house if you can find one with a balcony overlooking the waves. Yeah, for a small fortune. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, How about New Jersey? We're going over to the other side of the U.S. Uh, If you're trying to get high on the New Jersey shore, you're in luck. As law stands now, you can consume cannabis on some beaches in New Jersey. You just can't smoke it. Smoking and vaping cannabis in public was made illegal as part of New Jersey's cannabis laws, but the state has not put a ban in place against consuming edibles in public spaces. According to a statement, Devon Ward, Senior Legislative Counsel for the Marijuana Policy Project, provided to the Philadelphia Inquirer. While most shore towns seem to be okay with this so far, others are already making their own laws specifically banning all cannabis products. So be sure to check what laws apply to the exact beach that you plan to visit. Uh, 
But here's the rub. Recreational cannabis is not yet available for purchase in New Jersey. State officials are still writing regulations for the program, and the cannabis retail licenses have not yet been distributed. The latest predictions are saying we might not see dispensaries in the Garden State until 2022. So head on over to New York. New York is pioneering a new trend in cannabis law by allowing consumers to smoke cannabis anywhere. Yeah, New York said, fuck the system. Yeah, fuck it. You smoke at the state fair this year, too. Yep. Anywhere smoking fuck tobacco it. is legal. Yeah. It is the only U.S. state to allow public smoking of cannabis at this time. Still, because of the smoking ban on state parks and beaches in the state of New York, you can't smoke cannabis on New York beaches. You also shouldn't bring edibles with you since the law, though less clear, seems to imply that the consumption of cannabis in all forms is banned in places where smoking tobacco is illegal. Jeez Louise. This does, however, make it much easier to get high before you get on the beach. Take a few hits in a tobacco-friendly zone before stepping onto the boardwalk, and a Coney Island hot dog will taste even better. Nathan's. Than it ever has before. Little Nathan's. How about Virginia? Though cannabis has only been legal since July 1st in the state of Virginia, recreational sales have already begun, meaning the mid-Atlantic just got a whole lot more lit. Like California, Virginia has not legalized the consumption of cannabis in public spaces. That being said, there are already cannabis lounges in the state, and one of them is in Virginia Beach, the most popular beach town in the state. So if you're looking to take a trip down south a little higher, Virginia Beach might be your next destination. Nice. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, in, in the Midwest here, we've got Lake Michigan, right? Which is a big lake. It looks like an ocean. Yeah, and it's beaches. surrounded by Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan. Yep. And right now, Illinois and Michigan are legal. Wisconsin and Indiana are not. So, boo. boo. Get your shit together. (laughs) (laughs) International news. Is the U.S. cannabis market doomed to fail like Canada's? And I put this in the international news because they talk a lot about Canada in this article. But um, a recent report from FlowHub, though, finds the U.S. cannabis industry is worth $61 billion. Oof. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Uh, Ask any longtime supporter of cannabis legalization movement, and they'll tell you, ready or not, that a taxed and regulated pot market is all the country needs to turn around hard economic times. Think about all the money the federal government can make from tax revenue alone, they often say. The only problem is those people are the ones refusing to pay the tax man. In Canada, the cannabis trade presently, uh, presently... has a 1.1 billion gram surplus of weed. Hmm. Uh, They cannot sell because many customers have continued to purchase from the black market. Some would even say that illicit sales have set the Canadian pot market up for failure. Of course, this begs the question. In the United States, cannabis markets doomed suffer the same fate. Uh... Stockpiles of Canadian weed are going bad before it has a chance to be sold. Around 500 tons of quality retail cannabis has been destroyed over the past couple of years. 500 tons. That's a shit ton. Yeah, (laughs) that's a shit ton. It is. Why? Just because it's seized from different things? No, they they can't sell it. It's not not being sold from the growers and to the dispensaries. It's just sitting on shelves. It's getting wasted? Yeah. Sources, they... sources credit the disaster to the fact that 50% of the weed purchased in Northern Nation is still coming from the black market. 50%. Oh, 
Oh, their prices too high. Yeah, it's all taxed by the federal government, by their federal government and state, municipal, whoever. They're oh. fucking everyone's got. It's. I don't even know the tax rates there. I got to look it up. I again. mean, like rather than wasting it, why wouldn't they just extract and get get concentrates that won't but, but still expire not selling. as quickly? They expire they within a, a year. Of, but you you could make a shit ton of. They candies. do. They're probably talking about everything. It, it's not but being sold. The laws in Canada when it comes to uh, edibles, mm-hmm. there you can only. It can only be up to 10 milligrams, and it's only one piece sold in a package. You can't buy like 100 milligrams, 10, five pieces, 20 gotcha. pieces of five, or 10 pieces of 10. Or even go to like another state that allows 550 milligrams. It's one 10 milligram piece hmm. dose, one dose in a bag. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, sources credit the disaster to the fact that 50% of the weed purchased in the northern nation is still coming from the black market. That's right. Despite having a legit source of buying pot, people would rather get it from their neighborhood street dealer. Why? Because it's cheaper, and people can maintain their uh, anonymity. Some folks do not want to make their pot use public, legal or not. Unfortunately, the loyalty to the black market is sabotaging the profits of the Canadian cannabis companies. In the United States, we've seen the similar allegiance to the black market in some states that have legalized for recreational use. California, Illinois, and Massachusetts continue to struggle with illicit pot sales. Some say it's too expensive for startup costs and licensing fees crediting them the problem. There are, of course, to all those uh, cannabis consumers, the same ones that asserted back in the days of prohibition that weed could be economic salvation if it was just taxed, who have flat out rejected the idea of paying taxes on something they could still get cheaper from the dude down the street. Meanwhile, the federal government is looking at the great cannabis experiment and wondering how it would all take a nationwide and, and make it profitable. Sure, they say, ending prohibition is in the interest of social equity and repairing damages from the, the war on drugs. Still, the reality is they want to uncover the magic plan. This will make legal cannabis as much of a boom in the U.S. of A as alcohol and tobacco. So far, it seems that everyone involved is coming up short. Okay, before I go any further, I just want to say... I've read a bunch of articles on on the United States government legalizing cannabis. And I read you the one thing that disturbs me the most before anything else I've read was the taxes. 10% to start and by tw- in five years it'll be 25% that the federal government's tax putting their share on it. You're talking on what some states are charging tax-wise in Illinois, adding another 25% federal tax to that? Yeah, right. You're going to be paying $100 eights, like, all the time. I mean, that's what they're going to get charged before tax because that's what everyone's got to pay. So if this bill passed and we, and we say nothing about it and it gets passed, There'll be a lot of pissed off people, and there'll be a lot of people growing their own, going back to the black market, and as Canada happens, doomed to failure. Um, if you remember, industrial hemp was legalized once back in 2018, was also supposed to provide an enormous financial boost to the country. It was going to be used for food, paper, tires, and everything else, but it hasn't been able to find any traction. There are oversupply issues, high processing costs, and new markets. It seems the nation isn't ready to embrace it yet. We should embrace it because hemp built this nation on, on uh, back when we had to grow it here, and we used it right. Don't tell me processing isn't cheap. We did it back when there was hardly anybody to process it, and it was harder than hell to do it back in the 1800s and 1700s and 1600s, and they processed it. So don't tell me it's hard. <laughs> uh, still, final, financial experts say the United States cannabis market isn't headed for the same economic troubles as Canada. There needs to be a sense of caution when looking at uh, Canadian cannabis companies relative to the U.S. counterparts who are very profitable and continue to grow. Yeah, because the federal government's not involved. 
So I'll just say that and keep on going. A recent report from FlowHub finds the cannabis industry is worth $61 billion here in the United States. However, much of the industry will be forced to change once Uncle Sam gets into the mix. States do not have any federal controls and most left uh, to legalize how they see fit for now. So Schumer is pushing it hard uh, with along with some uh, uh, Cory Booker and a couple other senators. So we'll see what happens once, once what prop prices will be like once it goes nationwide and it's federally legal. So um, I don't know. I'm not 100% sold on it. Uh, Africa, largest cannabis export to date, 8.5 tons to North Macedonia, which then will probably be distributed. Hmm. It's crazy. Germany's medical cannabis market is so big. (laughs) (laughs) It's very big. And it's only medical there. Um, although the German federal government legalized medical cannabis on 2017, its approach to release licenses in large demand creating an attractive market for well-established medical cannabis companies. The success of German medical cannabis market has brought uh, Canavum AG to become the first publicly traded medical cannabis company in Germany. The fully licensed pharmaceutical wholesaler or importer and manufacturer was listed as uh, in, in the stock exchange in May of 2021. It just represents that Germany today will represent the largest and most profitable medical cannabis market in Europe to date. We'll see. Pretty good for Germany. UK rapper Nines admits to part plans to illegally import cannabis. Man, they just let them go, man. It's just cannabis, you know. Always get questions about edibles. Yeah, we do. So, and we try to give as much information as possible. So, what's the difference between gummies, cookies, chocolate, candy, at the same dose, does it change how you feel? <laughs> I think you're really high. I'm not that high. <laughs> uh, a lot of people do have a lot of questions about edibles, and edibles are something you really have to learn, right? Well, uh, why is it that THC gummies, cookies, and chocolate all hit you differently, even at the same dose, right? You have five milligrams of this thing and you have five milligrams the next day of another thing and you have a completely different experience. So why does that happen? Well, weed brownies and candies likely won't have the same effect as cannabis beverages or chocolate. Here's why. Edibles on dispensary shelves today are a far cry from the erratically dosed, untested, and unregulated munchies of a decade ago, whether you procured them as a registered medical patient or made them on your own. Nowadays, Everything is made in permitted facilities with proprietary technology and formulas, lab-tested and packaged with clear dosing instructions. But as many regular users might have noticed, not all edibles induce the same high, even at the same numerical dose. Here's an essential guide to understanding why you may have noticed some differences. Baked goods. Who hasn't had a magic brownie and freaked out at the effects peaked that peaked hours after consumption. Infused baked goods have been around for generations, and that's what inspired the name of the seminal cannabis activist Mary Jane Brownie Mary Rathbun. We've talked about her many Mm -hmm. times. She's the best. Well, cannabis is a fat-soluble as opposed to water-soluble, and the cannabinoids bind to lipids, meaning the butter, cocoa, and eggs in most cookies, brownies, and cereal treats. Um, So they're great at storing THC. An anecdotal High Times article deemed butter and coconut oil the best basis for these kinds of edibles. But because baked must, by definition, be baked and exposed to heat, it's likely some of the potency will be burned off, 
So they measure the dosage before the item is baked, not after, is what they're saying. So they expect things to come out as, you know, 20 milligram doses each, each serving size. Well, now it's been baked. So maybe it's 18, maybe it's 15, maybe that piece is 12. That's what they're saying. Um, so there's a variation in that because of the heat involved in making it. Uh, chocolate, similar to baked goods, chocolate also contains fat that cannabis compounds like to bind to, though in lesser amounts. Chocolate is often made with ground flour or a cannabis oil for control and doesn't have to be baked and exposed to heat. Chocolate masks the taste of cannabis well and is less heavy to eat in high doses if needed. However, some research raises the concern that chocolate could chemically interfere with how THC appears in product testing, according to Healthline, making it appear to be less than what the true THC value could be. So there you have it. This, in chocolate, it's not heated. And then, however, there's a chemical reaction, right? So now they're saying that the package could say it's 20 milligrams and it's 25 or it's 15. Again, it, there might be some inaccuracy in that. In, in most legal or, or medical markets, though, all the edibles are tested. They're prior. saying, though, even it can interfere. Yeah. And they're saying even with testing. But And then they interfere. know it's not. It, but I think once it's tested and they see that it's not the potency, they have to either they remelt to acknowledge it, it. remelt it or throw it away or okay. acknowledge it. Yeah. Right, right. So. And then you've got gummies. Gummies may very well be the most popular form of edible today due to their ease with dosing, range of flavors, and evolving infusion methods like nano emulsions. Gummies are also more fast-acting than their other fat-heavy counterparts. Due to their formulation constraints, gummies are often made with a cannabis distillate, though some brands use hash or other forms of full-spectrum concentrate to avoid a strong cannabis flavor. And they are easily digested, uh, meaning that they set in and taper off quicker than chocolate or a cookie. But they can also be enhanced in ways other edibles can't, like having terpenes added to mimic strain profiles and provide their specific effects. And then you have drinks. Uh, <laughs> cannabis beverages. Take a sip of some had, water. Uh, yeah. The Chico, I drink it all. <laughs> it's okay. Cannabis beverages had a great 2020, emerging as a market of alternatives to alcohol and alcohol-eccentric socialization while the country was on lockdown. They range in dose, with most sitting in the 5 to 10 milligram range, though there are many high-dose options as well. Most beverages nowadays use emulsion technology to create a fast-acting, consistent experience that mimics the onset of alcohol. But with THC, CBD, and a blend of adaptogens and or terpenes for nuance. Due to their liquid form and quick onset, however, cannabis drinks have the shortest into intoxication period. This is all to say, if you found what works for you, keep at it. Or try something new if you're feeling unsatisfied. No matter what form of edible you choose to consume, you're bound to have a good time. So have fun sampling. Start low and go slow. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Start low and go slow with edibles. So as we try to teach ourselves more about edible use by eating them, we'll teach you what we read about them. <laughs> I, you know, though, you, you can have a conversation with somebody when you share an edible and you're like, I'm going to give you this whole edible and you're going to eat half of it right now. And then we're going to talk in an hour and we'll decide if you need to eat more. 
And then you go to see them in an hour and they're like, I ate the whole thing. I couldn't stop. It tasted really good. And you're like, oh. And then next thing you know, they're like upside down. <laughs> yeah. But so then, but then, there's people, then I've just, met people that could take a 550 milligram edible like it's right? nothing. Like it's nothing. Like it I doesn't know. even hit it's them. It's so funny. Yeah. It's just the way their body processes yeah. it, their metabolism. Trial and error, yeah. everybody. Yeah. That's, so that's yeah, I, I ate a 50 milligram edible. I cried to my mom. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I but I can too. eat tens all the time. So uh, Kevin Durant teams up a weed maps to destigmatize cannabis and sports. Durant said uh, that he's trying to stomp the stigma around cannabis use among athletes that have been gra- uh, has been gradually eroding. The Band-Aid has been ripped off in the sports world, he said. However, it's kind of an under- undercover thing that players use cannabis and, and use it throughout when they are actively playing. Hmm. I thought it was interesting that the rest of the world was a little slower to be open about cannabis and its use. But to see walking down the street, I live in San Francisco. You walk around the corner, there's four or five dispensaries right on the corner. Yes, athletes are all still being tested four times a year for cannabis. And it's just felt that the world was starting to close in on how people felt about the use of cannabis. And now it's an open dialogue and it's been amazing to hear, Durant said. So while uh, can, uh, drug testing has been a uh, norm in ath- athletics world for decades and recently led to the controversial suspension of Olympic U.S. sprinter, uh, Shakari Richardson, who, oh my gosh, you know what, I'm still a big ad- advocate for her and, and uh, maybe she didn't train enough, but I watched her race on, on Saturday and it wasn't good. <laughs> so, um, so if you all, th- so, but maybe she hasn't trained in the last couple of months because of all the pressure. Who knows? Mm-hmm. She still gave a great interview and told the world to basically shut the hell up and she's still here. So proud of her on that. But just, um, you know, for all you out there that may or may not think that cannabis is a enhancer to, to athletes, I don't know. You should watch that race and then tell me because <laughs> it was bad. So still supporter of her, you know, but whoo, man. It just had to be the pressure. <laughs> uh, in December, for example, NBA Commissioner Adam Silverson said the temporary policy not to randomly drug test players for cannabis could become permanent. Rather than mandate uh, blanket tests, he said the league would be reaching out to players who show signs of problematic dependency, not those who are using cannabis casually. Um, so so with Weed Maps and Durant, hopefully they can change the stigma and, and, and fight for no more drug testing in sports and get people to help break the stigma and fight it. Go Kevin Durant and Weed Maps. Uh, legendary cannabis advocate Eddie Lepp passes away. Born 1952, died on 2021. Lepp's wife, uh, Sandra Costanda, posted on Facebook about the tragic news on August 16th morning at 2 a.m. My husband, Charles Edward Lepp, a.k.a. OG Eddie Lepp, passed away in his sleep. On June 6th, Eddie posted one of his last updates on Instagram. Uh, regarding the status of his health. Hi, everybody. It's been a while since I said anything. I thought I'd shoot out a little update. I have cancer to the bone now, and it's pretty rampant in my chest to my toes. And we're going to have to change the therapies to try to win this battle. But uh, I got uh, at least a couple, three more months, and I and maybe a couple years. So keep them cards and letters coming. Keep buying the art. I love you all, and thank you so much for giving me a reason to live. Since the news broke, his passing, thousands of fans have been leaving notes to his memory. Eddie Lepp, a true cannabis crusader. Lepp was one of the industry's greatest advocates, leaving his mark as one of many who suffered in prison as a result of trying to cultivate medical cannabis and help patients get access. He owned and operated Eddie's Medicinal Gardens and Multidimensional Chapel of Cannabis and Rastafari, which was raided by Drug Enforcement Administration's officials on August 18, 2004, the 17th anniversary of which is just days away. Um, 
At the time, it was considered to be one of the largest cannabis operations of all time, serving up to 1,000 medical uh, cannabis patients. The operation was valued at $130 million, and it took the DA agents two days to confiscate approximately 32,500 uh, 32, plants that were growing in Lepp's property in Upper Lake, California. According to an article, and this is from High Times, LEP was growing cannabis under the support of Proposition 215, which was passed by California voters in November of 1996. Patients would make a donation of $500 for each plant they were growing, a maximum of six. Uh, we will not take money for cannabis. Every penalty of the $500 goes uh, specifically to caring for the plant, LEP told High Times. On the day of the raid, 14 residents and volunteers were taken into custody, but only Lepp was arrested. He was eventually given federal charges for cannabis possession with intent to distribute conspiracy and establishing a cannabis manufacturing operation. I'm not doing anything illegal. If the federal government has a problem with California law, then they should be having uh, the state of California in court, not me. I'm facing life in prison for obeying the laws he also shared. Lepp fought hard in court, pleading not guilty, saying that it was only that was he legally growing under the state law that he was practicing. Sadly, the defense wasn't enough. Left received 10 years uh, prison sentence in September of 20, 2009 at the age of 56. The presiding U.S. District Judge Marilyn Hall Patel even seemed to suggest her hesitance and convict Lep based on current laws. I think the amount of time is excessive, uh, excessive, but it's not up to me, she said in court. Ultimately, he spent eight and a half years in prison before being released. Uh, he's being remembered for his greatness. In 2017, Lepp was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award by High Times, who not only operated one of the greatest uh, cannabis gardens of all time, but continually fought for his right to own, grow the plant, and for other people's rights to consume it. Beyond being an active cannabis pioneer, an activist Lepp was renowned for his work as a multidisciplinary creator, as an author, poet, and artist. Not to the surprise of those who knew him, his creation featured colorful deceptions of cannabis plants in full bloom, as well as large-scale joints and other cannabis-related elements, many of which were brought to another level by wonder by incorporating layers of colorful glitter. You can check out his works through his Facebook page, credited directly to display his art, while prints and other merchandise there were adorned with his colorful designs or sold through an online store. Lepp was respected, member of our community, a friend, medical cannabis patient everywhere, a creator, and overall an inspiration who will be sorely missed. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Well, 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 everybody, that's the end of the show. Mrs. Weedman, you got anything else to say? No. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that weed made me feel has really different Has different levels. Jetty. Has different yeah, levels. like I was... Like silly for a minute. Yeah, I felt like my mind was real clear, but I just feel really mellow. Like I don't have a lot yeah. of words to project. Talk <laughs> <laughs> just makes me want to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, it was like that last night when we were watching TV. All of a sudden, I'd fade out, and you would ask me something about what was going on. Yeah, and you I forgot you were watching TV, I, right? For about a good like thirty minutes. Yeah. We were watching some stupid show, and we weren't watching that stupid show at Paris Hilton, which we did watch one episode of. Oh, her cooking show. Her cooking show. It was oh pretty God. funny. It's so brutal. But she funny. has like a different voice. She does. She has her. That's hot. Well, I'm not even gonna try. Right? She's got that whole like Paris Hilton voice where she says that's hot or hot, however she says it. And then there's like this like kind of a manly voice. Yeah, deep we're voice. Like, Did you hear that? We both kind of jumped up. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> It's so a show. If you want to hear it? It's yeah. called what is it like? Paris in the kitchen or something? Something like I don't Paris know. I, it'll be a show we only watch if there's nothing really to yeah. watch, and we're we're in between like. Oh, but she came up with the saying, 
Sliving. That's we it. We thought that was pretty funny. Sl- so what is sliving? Slaying and living your best life. That's it. All you out there. <laughs> keep sliving. Keep sliving. <laughs> Slaying and living your best life. That's a good one. That is a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> Should probably make a couple million off of that one now too, right? Sliving. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Hey everybody, thanks for listening around the world. We love you all. Um keep on, man, just trying to live your best life and try to be happy out there and kind to everybody. We love you all. Don't forget to check us out on We Man 420 Chronicles on Insta, We Man 420 uh pod uh send us an email and thanks for all you that have been we met 420 chronicles at gmail.com and we appreciate y'all we got a lot of stuff to talk about next time as paulie always says smoke smart puff puff and away puff puff pass